0: From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. We are in the book of Genesis. And uh, yesterday we talked about these three visitors. They came to see Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham lavishes them with a beautiful meal. Uh, he gets Sarah to cook the fatted calf. Uh, yeah, the, the fatted calf, they bring out food and drink and they treat these men like royalty and they start to have a discussion with these men. And the men, uh, we determined yesterday that they're not just any men, that they are um, what we call in theological realms, a theophany. Theophany is a Greek word, theos, meaning God, phony, meaning, uh, you know, a vision. Uh, so it's a theophany from God. To Abraham and Sarah and the, the early church after about 500 AD saw the Trinity uh, the, because there were three men but prior to that before um, before 500 AD it was looked at as Jesus or as some manifestation of God as made man uh, and two angels with him and they gave Sarah a promise that she would have a child and the child would be born by the time they came back in a year. So uh, that's why we we have it as a theophany it's uh, because well in Genesis uh, 18 it says the Lord appeared my Lord and it's not just my you know um, th- this is a gr- this is a Hebrew word uh, Yahweh and it's translated as my Lord in the uh, in the NIV and most of the versions of the Bible because you don't say the name of God out loud, and so you use the word Adonai, and when you use the word Adonai, it's translated as Lord. But this definitely is the personal name of God in Genesis 18. So, so uh, Moses sees this theophany as definitely being God in human form with two angels beside him. And we'll even talk about why it's two angels a little bit later. Uh, I don't know if we'll get that today or tomorrow. So now today, uh, the story continues and we just have this really interesting encounter between Abraham and, the, and this, these visitors. So let's go ahead and look at that this morning. Um, we're going to continue on to Genesis chapter 8, verses 16 through 22. Genesis 18, beginning at verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. And then the Lord said, and remember, this is Lord. This is the the personal name of God. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him for I've chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sins so grievous that I will go down and see if they have done if uh, what they have done is as bad as the outcry that reaches me, if not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So, um, a lot a lot of stuff here. So the men get up to leave and they start looking towards Sodom and Abraham is walking with them. Uh, and then the Lord says to the angels, I suppose, Shall I tell Abraham what I'm about to do or shall I not? Uh, and then he, he talks about what's going on in Sodom. Um, he says there's an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is bad as the outcry that has reached me. So there is a sin going on in Sodom and the Lord and the two angels are debating whether or not they're going to tell Abraham about what's going on. Now, why would they debate about this? Well, because Abraham's nephew, Lot, is in Sodom, and and, uh, Abraham knows this. Uh, And remember, there's a very, very special relationship between Abraham and Lot. Uh, Abraham, at this point, you know, at one point had no children. Now he has Ishmael, but he had no children, but he had a nephew named Lot, and Lot was like a surrogate son to Abraham, and Abraham treated his nephew almost like a son. They were they got along very, very well. They loved each other very much. As a matter of fact, when Lot uh, ends up being captured, Abraham picks up all his men and goes and rescues Lot and brings him back to the compound. Uh, but now Lot has moved on from Abraham's compound and he's now living in Sodom. And uh, But the word about what's going on in Sodom has reached God and he hears the outcry, and so he is debating about whether or not he's going to tell Abraham about what he's about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. But he relents, and he decides to tell Abraham. And he says, listen, there's, there's, there's an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. It's so great, and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. So something's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's grievous. It is so grievous that that God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, And if Lot's there, he's going to destroy Lot too. Um, And we will get into this uh, later on as to what the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is. There's a lot of debate about that. Uh, I have my opinion about what that is. but, uh, But God decides to tell Abraham, which is a huge blessing, about what's going on and what he's going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, Abraham knows that lot is in Gomorrah and or is in Sodom and so he starts to go through this um this thing about what's going on and uh, it's really kind of interesting about uh about what um Abraham does and what God does uh to to um you know to, to when they have this discussion so let's just even look at it Then Abraham approached him, this is the Lord, and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? I mean, come on, he says, there's, there's got to be at least a few righteous people in Sodom or uh, yeah, in Sodom. What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people? And far be it from you to do such a thing to kill the righteous and the wicked treating the righteous and the wicked alike far be it from you! will you not judge all of the earth and do right so why is abraham doing this because he knows that his nephew lot is there and he also knows he assumes that lot is a righteous man and that if god could find you know if if lot's lot's a righteous man he's got a you know he's got a wife he's got some kids you know uh, all of these people if that's enough to spare uh, surely the Lord's not going to destroy the whole entire city well let's see what the Lord says the Lord says if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom I will spare the whole place for their sake and then Abraham begins to think to himself well wait maybe there's not 50 <laughs> you know maybe maybe there's maybe we better renegotiate this so he goes back and he says well uh, Abraham spoke up again well now wait a minute Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous is five less than 50? We destroy the city for the lack of five people. And the Lord says, if I find 45 there, I will not destroy it. And once again, he spoke to him. Well, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? Uh, And then God answers. He says, I answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Now, Abraham, you know, he's negotiating this. And he's like, wait, he's negotiating too easily. Maybe I'm not setting the bar high enough here or low enough. So, So Abraham goes on. So Abraham said, now that I have been so bold to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he said, may the Lord not be so angry, but let me speak just one more time, please. What if only 10 could be found there? And the Lord answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. Um, so uh, this is Abraham negotiating with God. And I don't know why, but for some reason, it just reminds me so much of this song that my father and I used to sing around the campfire when we were kids. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, uh, but this is Leroy Van Dyke, and uh, let's just see what he has to say. Ha ha ha, there you go. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, we used to go to my dad's cabin in Heber Overgard, and we'd sit around the campfire, and this was one of the songs we used to sing. This is a guy named Leroy Van Dyke, and it's called The Auctioneer. And uh, I can just see Abraham, you know, auctioneering with God to try to get the number of men down to see if he could uh, spare Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, so I thought I'd show you that little treat today because uh, I just, I don't know, I, do, I love that song. It reminds me of my childhood, uh, you know, sitting around the campfire singing with my dad. Of course, we had the words all wrong and we didn't have the auctioneer part all wrong. You know, we we're kind of making it up as we went. but. It was really, really a lot of fun. So uh, look that up sometime. There's a bunch of people that have ended up recording this song over time. I mean, I think it was first recorded by this Leroy Van Dyke. Uh, It was on his album. But, I mean, pretty much everybody you can possibly imagine at one point has recorded this song because it's a lot of fun. It's a fun song. And uh, that's what I think of, Abraham, just trying to negotiate with God about how many people. And, um, you know, God... um, We see in this that God is a uh, generous and a gracious God. He gives Abraham the opportunity to negotiate. Uh, He tells Abraham about what's going on. He doesn't just go and destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He actually uh, communicates to Abraham and says, listen, I'm about to go there and I'm about to destroy it. And uh, Abraham, of course, is freaked out because his nephew Lot is there. So we can see that he still loves his nephew nephew Lot. And he starts to negotiate to see if there's enough people there uh, to save the city. And God says, if I find 10, then I will relent and I won't destroy the city. So, you know, there's an interesting theological point here is that um, it is okay to negotiate with God. I mean, God's going to do what God's going to do. There's absolutely no question about it. I think in the the explanation of the Ten Commandments and the Catechism, you know, the kingdom of God will come whether or not, you know, with or without us, the kingdom of God comes. But uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, the kingdom comes within us. And a lot of times God does what he's going to do and we can't change his mind. But what we can do is change our reflection or how we view these things. Uh, We can can accept what God's going to do. that, and that's part of growing up uh, as a Christian, deepening your faith is basically accepting the things that God does in our life because all things work for good for God, who are, you know, for those who love God and called according to his purpose. In other words, everything that God does is good. And so when God does something that we think isn't good, uh, it's not necessarily that we need to change God's mind, but that God has to work in us and in our heart and in our soul and in our mind and in our body to, um, to reflect the kingdom in our life. But that being said, there are times when we can pour out our heart to God and try to be persistent in getting, you know, getting God to change his mind. And there are times when we've seen that God has changed his mind. Here, uh Abraham's able to negotiate God from 50 all the way down to 10. So if God had gone to Sodom and Gomorrah and found at least 10 righteous people, he would have kept his word. Uh, and we'll find out there wasn't even 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah. There I mean, wasn't 10 people in Sodom, not even 10. Uh, that's the lesson. But that doesn't mean we can't, we can't pour our heart to God and ask him, you know, please spare, spare or whatever. There's the, there's the story of the persistent widow. I don't know if you remember that in Luke, Luke 18, the story of the persistent widow Um, that comes to, that comes, well, here, I'll look it up real quick. Luke 18. um, uh, Let's see. I wonder if I could even put this on the screen. This is, this is, uh, well, let's just see. Uh, Then Jesus told the parable of the persistent widow. Uh, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And he refused for some time. But finally he said, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And, I will, not, and will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will will he find faith on the earth? So uh, this, is, um, this is the story of the persistent widow. And God says, Jesus says, it's to show that they should pray and not give up. So um, just like Abraham and the Lord and the visitors, Abraham didn't, well, actually kind of Abraham did give up. He stopped at 10. He probably should have stopped at 1 or maybe two or three, but Abraham kept being persistent. He wanted to save Sodom, uh, and so he was persistent negotiating with God. You know, there are times in our life when you, I think God even puts these times in our life. Um, there are things, there are times in our life where I think God wants us to come to him and pray, uh, and pray boldly, and pray with passion, And uh, now, will he always answer the prayer the way we want it answered? The answer is no. Uh, He doesn't always answer the prayer that we want it answered, but he will answer the prayer the way he wants it to be answered. But I do think that he provides opportunities for us to come to him. uh, And usually those moments, at least in my life, I've noticed. This is a heart-to-heart from Pastor Hook. I've noticed that when God leaves no options open, right? Like for me, like I say, I like to overthink things and I take things down to the nth degree and when I realize I'm out of options, they're like they're, none of these options look good. Nothing that, nothing that I can think of that I can physically do myself or that I could get other people to physically do my, themselves. Like we've run out of options, and I think that's at the moment where we go to God and we simply pray. And we know that God's going to do what he's going to do. I mean, that the mature Christian will uh, accept the will of God in his life, the sovereignty of God in his life, pretty much without exception. Uh, and the more mature you are, the more you've lived the faith, the more your roots have grown, the more you begin to see that God always does the right thing. But there are times in life when God, um, when you know the option that's before you, you just, you can't accept that option. And, and I think that those are the times that God, those are the times that God puts before us in our life. Uh, and he almost wants us to come before him and say, God, I don't see any options here. I don't see how this is all gonna get solved. Um, you know, I'm at, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of the way I can think about it. All the solutions that I've thought about, Lord, and now, I, I, I can't find any more solutions. I mean, it's the solutions as I see are bad, really, really bad, and God awful. And um, Lord, I, I, I need your help in this. And that's when we go to God and we're like the persistent widow and we don't give up. And we say, God, I can't, I can't find a solution to this. I don't know how this is gonna end, uh, but I know that you are a sovereign God and I know that you have the power of the universe at your fingertips. You spoke and the earth was created. There is nothing that is beyond your power. Uh, and so, Lord, I simply turn it over to you. There's a popular song. Man, I should show that song. Uh, Jesus, Take the Wheel, right? Same type of deal. Um, Jesus, Take the oh, Maybe I could find that song. Let's see how much time I got. I got a few minutes. Uh, let's see if I can find Jesus, Take the Wheel. Yep. Uh, oh, that's a Carrie Underwood song. Huh, Celebrate National Egg Day today with our of new course, song, we got to get the commercials before the video starts. All right, here we go. There you go, Jesus Take the Wheel. Um, it showed in the video, if you can see that, it showed a, an older man taking care of his wife. You know, that'll pull your heartstrings out if nothing will, right? Um, having your love of many, many years, you know, be so frail that you have to feed her. You know, there are times in life when you ask Jesus to take the wheel. Um, you beg Jesus, you know, to, to uh, I, I don't have any more solutions, so I'm putting it all in your hands, Lord. Uh, and beg and pray and plead with God that, uh, that he will change the circumstances or at least help you get through the circumstances. And of course, we know that Jesus won the war, right? Uh, he came down. He conquered death, uh, sin, Satan, and the power of the devil, uh, and and death, and all of that. Jesus conquered, and that's a great thing. But the other part of it, you know, we've been talking about living the abundant life here in 2020. <laughs> How's that working out for us, right? Um, but the thing is, is that part of the abundant life is also that Jesus fights the battles with us. So we're in the middle of COVID. Uh, and we've got all these restrictions and all these things going on, Uh, don't ever forget that Jesus is walking beside us every moment. Uh, Every battle that we face, every uh, everything that's going that we just can't handle, Jesus is there. He's walking beside us. He holds our hand. He gets us through it. Um, And it is okay to plead, as Abraham did, uh, that God would change his mind. And and apparently... This in in the story from Luke eighteen, uh, because of the persistent widow, it wasn't anything else, just her persistence. God relented, and did, and we see this in Scripture all the time. We, it's right here, right with Abraham negotiating with uh, with the stra- with the three strangers that came in. The Lord, um, God relented. He changed his mind. He went from fifty down to ten. Now we'll find out there wasn't even ten people there, but. God, God promised Abraham that if he found 10 people, he would spare Sodom, and he would have done that. God always keeps his promise. So don't ever stop um, negotiating with God. Don't ever stop being an auctioneer, if you will. Um, God listens to your prayers. Uh, he loves you, you're his precious child. He wants the very best for you, and I think there are times when he wants us to come to him and beg and plead and ask for, for things to change. And there are times when he will change his mind uh, and do something in a different way. God's got all the power at his fingertips to, he knows how it's all going to end. He, he knows every mind, he knows every heart, he knows every hair on your head. He knows how it all is going to play out. So he can change the circumstances if he want to and then make other circumstances change. Um, he certainly has the power to do that. And I believe that he does do that. So that's probably a good way to end today is just just knowing that you're in the hand of God. Um, And if this pandemic is getting too much for you, uh, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you're not going to make it to the next day, um, just just release the steering wheel and turn it over to God and say, God, I don't have the power to change this. I don't have the power to deal with it, but I know that you do. Um, And so I'm praying, Lord, Please, just take the wheel. Just, just take the deal, <laughs> and uh, and there's no there's no shame or loss of honor of of getting down on your knees and begging God to to be you know in charge of your life. There's nothing wrong with that, and um, there are times when God does relent and changes what He's going to do because of your prayers. So never stop praying. Hey, let's let's go to room prayer now. Dear God, uh, we pray today that, uh, that you would be king and in charge of our life. And when things get to be so crazy, we can't even take charge of our life. We pray, Lord, that you do. We thank you that uh, you are involved in everything that we do in this world. We thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. Be with us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.